0: You're listening to the Drone Pro Podcast, a podcast that inspires drone pilots to make cinematic content and pursue their passions and successfully run their drone businesses. My name is Chris Newman and I'm a professional drone pilot and I'm sitting down with other professional drone pilots to talk about their successful drone business processes as well as onset experiences and lessons that they've learned and how to make an impact in the drone industry. Hey, what's up Aaron, welcome to the podcast my friend. How's it going? Thank you. Oh, it's awesome, man. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm honored. Um, So just tell me a little bit about your background. Where do you kind of come from? I mean, you've, you're you doing lots of amazing projects right now. It seems like you've gone to zero to a hundred and not very really much time at all as far as, you know, working in the drone world, in the drone business. So kind of tell me, you know, what's your background and how you got started. Just kind of tell me your story. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. So um I have a super unique story, Um, a little bit about my background, I actually come from a music background, I moved to LA from uh, Northern California in like early 2000s as a drummer, toured a bunch, um, wrote, recorded a bunch of records, did session work, saw a lot of the world, met a million people, you know. as that industry for me at least sort of like died out I was like yearning for you know something new and inspiring and I've always had that like creative drive but um it just was sort of fizzling out with music music felt way too much like a job so one day I saw um god it must have been an ad on Facebook or Instagram for like a DJI phantom drone and um my fiance was with me and she said, oh yeah, you should check that company out. Um, My buddy, he's a pro world-renowned kayaker and um, he uses those to film himself and people film him with them. And she showed me this shot of this guy going off a waterfall. And it was like this top-down shot from above between the trees of this guy going over a waterfall in a kayak. And I was like, oh man, I want one of those. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Knowing nothing at all about cameras, drones, RC, anything whatsoever, I went and bought a Phantom 3. And at that time, I think it was like the hot thing on the market. You know, it was like <laughs> just this cool new package, and it was a it was a step up from the Phantom 2 that you had to put a GoPro on, and you could so use your, your like iPhone new-
0: on it and control everything with the iPhone, stuff like that. That was kind of the, the yeah. new big thing on the Phantom 3
1: yeah yeah, yeah. so um I got one, and I took it everywhere. I took it on vacation to Thailand, I took it to Mexico, I took it to Tahoe. I flew it all over Southern California, anywhere. I got a chance. Um, I flew it. I mean, I still didn't know how the thing worked <laughs> in the sense of like like mechanically how it worked. and I didn't know much about cameras at all. Like I would just set it to auto and just fly it and and it was just it was fun so um basically fast forward probably six months my fiance randomly gets a job at the dji creative studio in <laughs> burbank here and i was like wow that's that's amazing and at that point i was really getting into drones like more and more you know like starting to learn um I I can't remember if I had stumbled across your course right around that time or if it was right after this. Um, It it was somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I feel like I should you know, really step it up and and learn what I'm doing a little bit more because I'd started to research and see other people's shots. And I was like, man, that's amazing. How did they do that? So as Amanda, my fiancé, goes on to work at this place, a little time passes and I, apparently it comes up in conversation that I'm that I'm flying drones and, and they get into a conversation about how they need pilots often so for, one for, day,
0: for DJI projects
1: right? yeah yeah ex- exactly so um one day Amanda calls me and she says hey production's gonna call you um, so just be ready and I was like uh okay and my, my now good friend Eduardo from DJI calls me and he says, hey, buddy, um, so we got this project and we need to do some pickups for it. I'm like, I don't know what pickups are. That's <laughs> cool. But um, he's like, we don't have a budget, but we just need to get some shots that we didn't get. It's for a new product we're doing. Um, we'd love to have you come out. And I said, I will be there, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I show up super, super green, not really knowing a whole lot. Um, and we do a bunch of pickup shots for the the Phantom 4. And that was like... So the, for the, people that
0: might not know, what is a pickup shot now that you've learned what it is? So,
1: so a pickup shot is basically um, if you're on a production and you get... You, you think you've got all the shots you need And then you get back and say Your editor or your director um, Who's ever digging into the footage Realizes that there's there's missing aspects Of whatever needed to get shot Or the shot list didn't c- get completed Or you ran out of time um, Or you ran out of light Which often happens um, You have to reschedule another day And go get the things that you need to complete The process in the project So um Yes, uh, that's pickups. <laughs> as far as I know, at this point, <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's about it. <laughs> yep, that's about it. So, um, yeah. Anyways, we went out and shot, and I was I was probably pretty nervous, you know, just like, oh my god, this is like the company, you know, that's that's on the forefront of all this this amazingness that I'm interested in now. So, funny little story about that. We were out flying, and I was trying to track a motorcycle in reverse with a phantom so i had to stare at the screen and not at the drone and they kept saying lower 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 <laughs> <laughs> and so the very first day that i worked at dji i crashed a phantom oh, into oh dang <laughs> <laughs> but uh those things are so durable i mean i brushed it off put the battery back in and we continued to fly and we all had a chuckle about it you know
0: well, that's, so, that must have been intense, man. <laughs> Here it is, <laughs> totally. like, the biggest drone company in the world, and you're totally green, your first shoot ever, and you're flying, looking at the monitor <laughs> with a motorcycle <laughs> two feet above the ground. That sounds pretty intense. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it was insane, and, and I don't think that I had done a whole lot of tracking vehicles or people at that point, you know? I mean, I'd done some. I, I, I mean it was definitely uh, an intense experience. <laughs> so anyways, that went well and then as as that sort of happened and then they had me come on for a few more things, I was like, "Man, I should really maybe consider taking this seriously and figuring out how to you know, make this financially viable and potentially like a career, you know, because this is amazing and if I can get paid to fly toys around, <laughs> like sign me There's up." There's
0: nothing better than that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like the best so, feeling ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that um, right around then is when I found um, Drone Pro Academy, um, which was then Cine Um It'll always be CineTropper. <laughs> <me. laughs> but, awesome. um, yeah. So that was invaluable to me because, like I said, I didn't know anything about cameras or drones or airspace or or any of that stuff um and i mean i didn't know the relationship between iso and aperture and shutter speed like that i i mean i would just hit um hit auto you know and and go for it so that was really huge for me at that time there was no such thing as a part 107 there were there was a 333 exemption so on top of cramming all the DPA stuff in my brain that I could, I was also in the midst of um, getting my manned pilot's license. So right. that I year that. of my life, yeah. it was like... Like study I, central, I, like uh, back in uh, school again,
0: even, like times 10. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Reading one more manual was probably going to make my brain explode. <laughs> like, I mean, so that's, that's kind of how that started. And then... DJI was honestly my springboard, essentially, for the business aspect of it, um, because I met a lot of DPs and producers and even directors on all the projects I've done. I mean, I've done, I don't know, I countless projects for DJI now. Like, if there's a DJI video, like, there's a seventy percent chance that I was flying. (laughs) That's so cool. I mean. Unless it's coming from the European Creative Studio. Yeah, yeah. But, like, all the stuff from here, like, there's more than a 70% chance. Like, I did tutorials from everything from Mavic all the way up to Ronin 2. Like, it just, it's it goes on and on and on. And I just got back from Patagonia doing the Mavic Air campaign. I'm doing pickup shots for another piece on the Mavic tomorrow. And there's a lot of really cool stuff happening. I did Red Bull Rampage with them. They've partnered with Red Bull now, and we're doing um, something with Burton Snowboards this year. Um, so there's there's a lot of stuff. Some stuff with North Face coming up in another quarter. Um, a, a live event like they did with the Inspire 2. I might be going to China. Wow. Um to do, um, for a new huge studio. Um, I guess it's like the, the new Hollywood apparently oh, in China. So that's rad. Yeah, man. man. So
0: tell me a little bit about, uh, your drone pro Academy experience. What did it kind of, where were you before? And then where did it take you? Did it, you know, did it help you out? Did it get you there faster?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm interesting in, in the way that I learn. like I just try to dive into things and then when I can't figure out, I go back and then I research. So that was a really cool place for me in the sense that it was like a hub. So if I had a question, it was really easy for me to go just like find that specific thing, and that was like a, a singular place where I could actually acquire the information without having to Google five thousand things. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So that would—that's the way that I learn and the way that I process stuff. Like, <clears throat> for instance, right now I'm. Um, I'm doing a lot of Premiere Pro stuff because I've always done my own reels. And um, so I do the same thing. I just dig into Premiere Pro and then as soon as I get stuck, I just go and I find the answer I need. So Drone Pro Academy was awesome because it was just all right there. So um, luckily I had sort of really dug into the airspace stuff because i had a cfi at that point um and the 107 didn't exist um if if it was now i think that that would be an amazing asset too because i know you've set up an entire 107 course mm-hmm. um but like i passed mine the first day that it came out so I did too <laughs> <but> I, yeah <laughs> yeah because i was just ready and waiting and flying planes every day and no, it's awesome. so um Yeah, but as far as like – I think I – with the 333 when I was trying to get that at first, like you had a template up there and that was huge because trying to find that was non-existent on the web. Like I mean if you hadn't had that up there, I never would have found that. And I remember this chart that you posted and it was representing Aperture versus um, – frame rates and iso and it was like this it was showing like motion blur and i'll never forget that Mm because it's like pretty much really helped me kind of figure out like the relationship between all three of those things Mm. and properly exposing you know so that was that was a huge help i mean i in the beginning i went to that site so many times i couldn't tell you (laughs) specific details but there was a lot of really good useful information for me um you know well awesome man i
0: really appreciate um your feedback and um, what you contribute to the community. So, our community is like amazing. Like, we've got, I don't know, we've got 1,400 people right, right now. And uh, like a lot of Facebook yeah. forums, like, you ask a question and like people are just really sarcastic. They're really mean. Um, I've seen a lot a lot of people kind of storm out of some of those public groups because they can't ask I a did. question. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I did. I can't, I, can't, I mean, there's, there's a few of them which will. I won't name, but I, I can't deal with people there because it's it's just two ends of the spectrum. People that think they know everything and then people asking questions that that are really dumb to some people and then the people that think they know it all, you know, just tear them up, you know. And then you have a lot of old school guys in the industry. Well, not a lot, but there's a couple, one in particular, old school guys who have done this for a long time who are just downright awful to people mm-hmm. and it's just like I don't I don't I don't function that way. So anyway, we have it's, a really
0: awesome community. It's like a family. It really, really is. And everybody's super open with everything that they're that they're learning about every day. Experiences that they have, triumph, failures. It's just really, really awesome. Um, yep. anyway, let's kinda get back into your story a little bit. So I mean you have a really great perspective, I would think, as kind of a newcomer to film drones, everything. And you're kind of thrown into this film world. So what are some of your experiences that you've had as far as, um, you know, what are some, some, some good tips that you could share? Maybe as far as like fostering good relationships with clients and stuff like that, maybe some experiences that, that you've had with that.
1: Um, yeah.
0: So I actually put some notes
1: down here. Let me see here.
0: Um, oh, by the way, you know, do you need some help. With your cat, your, uh,
1: yeah. Let me let this thing out.
0: I could hear a little bit. It's probably not a huge deal, but just wanted, yeah, perfect. So, yeah,
1: I, I, as far as fostering relationships, um, I think that there's a lot of aspects to this. Um, a lot of it goes back to 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 being a good human, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and being positive. Yeah. Like I think that that. How you how you work with people and present yourself to the world is a huge part of it. I, I think that you can be the best pilot or the best musician or the best anything in the world. But if, if your social reactions with people and interactions with people aren't positive, people remember that. And it, it doesn't matter how good you are. So I, I think that that's a really good one. Um, I try to make myself very... Very visible and available without being overbearing or pushy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, staying in contacts with people I've worked with in the past, um, you know, just even on a f- uh, like a friendly text or or you know, grab a drink or, or whatever, you know, maybe even and,
0: like follow on Instagram, like you know, commenting stuff right. like that too.
1: Right. And so, social media was the next one I was going to get into. So, I think this is um, this is really.
0: a a great way can you start that part over again I think this is really a great way as soon as it quiets down
1: Um, yeah so I think that social media is a really great way to stay visible without being too pushy and overbearing Um, I, I constantly try to post content like whether it's some BTS stuff or even a still um or even finished product, just to keep people, like, seeing that I'm constantly doing something, Mm -hmm. even if it's something that I did six months ago and that I was happy with, you know? I I think that it's just about staying relevant. Uh, People's attention spans, especially this day and age, are, like, 30 seconds long. Yeah. And so it's it's just like marketing like you have to stay relevant you know and it's, it was the same thing for the music industry with me so i learned that a long time ago you know you have so to you constantly. can't just
0: like do a job and and be like all right give me a call when you're ready to hire me again you got to keep that constant contact yeah, not constant have to, but or, just consistent
1: right yeah it's it's a balancing act for sure because if you're obnoxious people are like ah, what is with this guy <laughs> you know
0: It's gonna turn but, him away yeah yeah, yeah.
1: So I think that that's, um, that's, that's sort of my approach to it, you know, as far as fostering relationships and keeping things relevant and letting people know that I'm available and ready to work, you know?
0: Cool, man. That's awesome. Uh, what are some tips for kind of um, starting out for those people who maybe haven't started yet? What, what kind of advice? I would say
1: never say no to something. You're going to have to do a lot of free things because, A, it's a great way to learn. It's a great way to learn how to, especially for, for working on set when you're doing aerial cinematography. If you didn't already come from that industry, there's a lot of lingo and aspects and things that you need to understand about that industry and the inner workings with... Other people in the industry, you know, that you like, DPs, directors, first ADs, DITs. Um. So I would say never say no to anything in the in the beginning. Um, in addition, I would say go out and just fly and fly and fly and be creative. You know, um, do it because you love it and and it, and it's fun for you. I, I think that a lot of what happens after that falls into place. You know, if you're going out and you're 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 doing awesome things on your own, that, that's, that's huge in itself because then it gives you content you can post and then you can be, you can be social. Yeah. And um, a, a
0: big part in Drupal Academy is developing a demo reel, right? Um, yeah,
1: exactly. Especially
0: for that kind of this higher end type of work. Um, like you're not going to get hired unless you can prove that you know what you're talking about. You can get those awesome cinematic shots that, you know, make producers, directors, whoever want to hire you. And so that's a really big push in drone pro academy and helping to get that solidified and set up. And like you said, it's just the big part of it is just getting out there shooting stuff, like go film your friends in their, in their car on the coastline or, you know, down a country road at sunset or whatever, just get out there and have fun, you know, and things will fall into place.
1: Yep. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. I think that's exactly it. And, and, and the other thing is, is, that that part of never saying no just remember that that every gig you get is is potentially the beginning of a new relationship with new people so i always view it like that and if i have to do something free even in in this point in my career i always tell myself just remember you never know who you're gonna meet on this and you leave a positive impact and you go out there and kill it to your best ability Mm -hmm. like you may have just met the next best person.
0: Even, you know? if it's a, even if it's like a horrible day and, you know, they didn't bring crafties, which is food. They didn't bring food and you're just <laughs> right. really ticked off because you're hungry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even if something bad happens, you're not stoked on it. Like, just be a good human being, just like you said, because you yep. never know who else is there or if they'll hire you again. You know, you just got to be positive. Right. And it's a,
1: it's a small industry and people talk. So mm-hmm. don't ever forget that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that would be my advice. It's, it can be difficult and daunting. And, and I'm not going to lie. I really scored on the DJI opportunity and it launched me into a position where I would not have been.
0: But, but at the same time, you know, a lot of other people could have had the same opportunity but botched it, right? That's, I mean that's also I was going to I mean there's, there's, there's certain there's certain qualities you have and certain things that you did we talked about a lot of those that helped you you know solidify it and really make it happen.
1: Yep. I definitely took an opportunity and ran
0: with it or flew with it, should I say? <laughs> Pun intended. Pun intended. Yeah. Cool. So, how have you kind of found to um What are some good ways to communicate with the client to make sure they're happy with what they're getting from you as a drone operator?
1: Um, I mean, the way that I usually start is I figure out whoever on sets. um, This this is more if I'm going out on a job and I don't know who I'm working with, right? So if, if I know who I'm working with, I already know what they want and how they work. But let's just say... So I go out on a new job with. I did a Netflix show recently. Didn't know anyone on it. I got the job as a referral. I didn't. I didn't even understand the fact that there wasn't a director. It was just executive producers. So basically, oh, what you need to do is is you need to hunt down whoever is calling the shots and and ask them. This is what I do. I ask them. Okay. Do you guys have a shot list yet? What do you? What is your vision for this? You know, and I try to be as verbal and, um, uh, just straight to the point about like what they envision getting out of it. And I, I think that that's a huge part of it. And then um, because
0: because if you just kind of come in and you're like, "Hey, we're gonna get this shot," or or no. or you don't even, like, <laughs> let them, you know, speak their mind. You're like, what if we do this and this and this and this? They'll be like, well, let's do this. And sometimes their right. ideas are not good. But that's okay. Yeah. Like, you have to, you know, you need to try and appease what they're of saying. Of course. I- I've also found that sometimes um, what they're asking is they haven't, maybe they don't have a lot of, you know, experience with drones. And so they're trying to get a shot that's really not possible or it doesn't turn out the way they think it will in their yeah. mind. And so from there, then you can take a step back and start to offer other suggestions. But anyway.
1: Yep. Yeah. So that, that happens a lot too. But I, but going back to the original point, I always make sure that I ask what they want first or ask if they have shot lists. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the most important thing. And then so touching on your point, what I get a lot of the time is, hey, you're the pro. You fly these all the time. What do you think looks good? That's like, you know? that's
0: like the and, best – Thing to happen i love it when that happens on a shoot yeah
1: yeah because <laughs> then yeah.
0: because then like i feel like i'm experienced i know what shots look good or cinematic and that are going to work for what they're trying to accomplish and then when they do it they're you know they're like 99 of the time excited about it and stoked about it and then they even give you more yep. creative liberty in the future yeah
1: yeah yeah and and i mean Going back to this recent Netflix thing, I mean, they gave me a good detailed list of stuff they wanted to see, but it was still it, it my free reign because they wanted me to show up to these locations before production showed up. So it was just this empty space. Um, it's a new car show that'll be out on Netflix, um, and so they wanted to show the track completely empty and get all these establishing stuff, and then the dry lake bed completely empty and get all this establishing stuff. So. I mean, at that point, it's like there's no one there telling you, "Okay, we want you to start tilt down and and you know tilt up." Right. And, so ex- you know, ex-
0: executive producers, they're there; as, they're more just making the, sh- they're calling the shots, but they're not like the, the creative aspect of the shoot.
1: Right. 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 And, and on that, they had so much. I mean. There were so many cameras on this shoot. There was there was all these cars, and there was cameras in every car on every driver. I mean, the guy has had so much to think about already. It's like that often happens too. So, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this. The the drone guys are always like the oh yeah, if that shot works out, we'll use it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's often like oh yeah, we'll get to the drone shot later. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, the, the drone shots so.
0: sometimes are not priority. They're kind of yeah. like the icing on, on the cake just get an establishing shot. I had a shoot recently for Dolby Digital um, where I was the only <laughs> I was the only camera on the <laughs> yeah. entire shoot and so instead of like working for you know an hour during the day because usually you just kind of sit around and they they kind of call you at least on the bigger shoots I was like on you know I was the only one with a crew of six everybody's looking at me nonstop, you know, for the whole, for like two days straight. And, and so <laughs> yeah, that doesn't yeah. happen very often, but it, it can. And when it does, you got to be ready for it with uh, having an extra yep. crew available, stuff like that. Yep. Anyway.
1: <laughs> I think I've actually got used to that because DJI jobs are all drone-based because right. it's like flying drones, chasing drones, so it's you couldn't get any more drone than that,
0: <laughs> you know? So I'm
1: used to, yeah, I'm not used to sitting around as much as some people, I guess. But no, that's it's happened. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) So do you have a specific way that you kind of make suggestions, like, to the director or DP to kind of like, you know, not in like a kind of like a soft way, I guess you could say
1: um yeah so a lot of this kind of touches on what we were talking about it's it's a very fine line to walk and this comes back to the human element you know um i i do this on a case by case basis um but i always start by asking what they want first and you know sometimes they have very specific stuff mm. sometimes they say you do this all the time what looks best sometimes it's a combination Um. But I think that, as far as making a suggestion um like the one <laughs> it's more of making a suggestion that builds on top of what they want, so everyone knows if you've flown drones and watched drone shots enough the the dreaded stagnant drone shot mm-hmm. is like a deal killer you <laughs> yeah, know?
0: like like you're just hovering there, and there's right. no movement. <laughs>
1: Right, or there's wind, which is making that hovering just look awful. Yeah, you know, because yep. you're just blowing around, and it's just like no amount of warp stabilizer <laughs> is going to fix that. Um, so, I in that, and let's just use that for an example. This is this is something that I've done a bunch of times with directors and and, and DPs. Is okay like that's that's the vision, that's the shot we need to get for this. So what, why don't I offer this? Why don't we just do a slow boom up or slow boom down? And then that that, that brings that shot to life a little bit more um, without pulling off the subject or creating it or turning it into a new shot completely. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the blending of two things to create a little bit more um, of a cinematic shot. So that's a that, that's really
0: good tip in general is I always tell – uh, the Drum Pro Academy guys like you always need to be moving, um, adding tilt downs, tilt ups, pans to a you know drone movement is kind of a it's, a it's a necessity as far as getting a cinematic shot. Like just holding still or even just like a like a slow pan yeah. doesn't cut it for me unless you're moving in some direction, you know, um, yeah. to really maximize that.
1: Yep. So yeah, I mean. I 100% agree and I think that that's sort of my approach is cool. is just um trying to build off of what they originally want and then and then creating something a little smoother and flowing rather than just, you know. And then again, you know, we have those guys that are like, I have no idea what I want, just make this awesome for me. Yep. And then I have some just kind of like, depending on the situation, I usually can envision some go-to shots, you know, and that's yep. all case by case basis, but I know what sucks and I know what tends to look good in most settings.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Awesome. <laughs> in, in from my
1: experience, you know.
0: Awesome, man. Um, let's see. How's your cat doing? And do you want to take off your jacket? It might be hitting One your second. headphone Yep, yep, yep. I'm not Two sure. seconds. Yep. Hold on. Cool.
1: <clears throat> Alright, I'm gonna have to leave that door cracked so that thing can come in and out. No worries.
0: Cool. Um, okay, I'll get into the next one. Is your your thing's recording all right? You still? there? Uh, yeah,
1: it's it's still 30 minutes in. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, let's see. All right. All right. Awesome, man. Um, uh, let me start that over. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out how to get back in, into this cool man all right cool man so can you tell me a bit i know you had a chance to go to patagonia uh with dji fairly recently um how was that trip um like i know it was pretty crazy you guys brought so many mavic airs because you guys were shooting with the brand new <laughs> mavic air that just came yep. out recently um you brought some inspires can you tell me about maybe the preparation and then get into the actual, you know, getting there, production, um, any issues you had on the trips, stuff like that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um I was super, super excited that I was getting the opportunity to do this. I mean, who gets to say they went to Patagonia and who gets paid to go there <laughs> and who gets paid to go there and fly drones, you know? So um I didn't think I'd ever get to go there. But, yes, so – Preparation. Um, it was it was a little intense. Um, the NDA was a little intense on it, just because. I mean, DJI is just cracking down on leaks of products. Mm-hmm. Um, so no pictures, nothing. Um, we had a whole entire day to prep. Like we prepped for like twelve hours. I think that I packed somewhere around sixty lipo batteries. Holy cow! Oh yeah, how um, was that
0: getting those through? So the yeah,
1: <laughs> it was fine until I was trying to leave Chile. Oh, okay, and they, they almost didn't let me back out, but surprisingly enough, I I pulled it off. I don't know how. <laughs> like basically. Something happened where they realized that we were there working and they're like, which is ridiculous to me because a hazard is a hazard. Like, and that's how they view the, the lipos, you know, but, oh, if you're working, you can have 60 of them. If you're not, you can have three. (laughs) So I'll never understand that stuff, but luckily, yeah, yeah. I mean, pull, whatever card you have to, I mean, it's, it is what it
0: is. I've been in some, man, I have so many battery stories from around the world. It's not even funny yeah. how many like almost not getting out stories I have. It, so it's that's, it's
1: pretty much the the it creates a great deal of anxiety for me honestly.
0: Oh, that's but yeah, that's the worst part. Leaving a country. Yeah, yeah, yep.
1: So yeah, so we initially were going to take three Inspire twos, two X five Ss, and an X seven, and then fifteen Mavic Airs. And at the last minute, I mean, we had a red, and we had an A7S, and all the lenses, a ready rig, a Ronin two, um, and a very stripped down crew. Like we had a first AC, a DP.
0: What is a first AC, and what's a DP for those who might? Uh,
1: director of photography, and then a, a assistant camera, basically. So director so, of photography
0: uh, kind of is in control of what's being shot what's being presented on screen uh what lenses aperture focal right. length nds right um and, and the first day yeah. is like
1: basically in charge of like making sure that all that happens and prepping all the camera gear breaking it down charging it dumping you know cards to the dit which we did not have a dit <laughs> and a dit is someone who is a data wrangler wrangler and and ingests all the media onto hard drives and then backs them up so first AC it's a very important role
0: a very very important role
1: and when you're shooting on that many cameras and drones all at once it's even more imperative that you have one (laughs) yeah (laughs) so needless to say the footage was I got emails for two weeks (laughs) after that gig about where's this footage where's this footage and a little note on that, the DJI Mavic Air has t- 8 gigs of internal storage, which I was unaware of in the beginning, Oh, um, which makes, if you don't set it right, it'll record internally, and then when you pull the card, there's nothing on the card, and then if someone takes the drone back out the next day thinking they dumped the footage oh, and format formats the hard it,
0: drive. Yeah. it's done. Oh.
1: So... To this day there's some shots that we got on the very last day that are just gone. Oh, I have no man. idea. And it was it was going to be some of that shot on Mavic Air mm-hmm. footage and it was like this really beautiful mist in this valley. rated golden hour and um, it's nowhere to be
0: found. Okay. <laughs> well that's a good tip for those working on the Mavic Air.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean my advice if you have a Mavic Air don't record Don't ever shoot on the internal in-
0: Yep. I mean unless, unless it's like you, worst case scenario.
1: Right. You run out of space of or you forget your yeah. card. Yeah. Something like that. But um yeah, so we pack up, we leave. It's a twenty four hour more than a twenty four hour travel day. We left Los Angeles at one. We got there about one the next day PM. Um then we drove for six hours. Into uh, Chile, which was insane. So, for those of you who don't know, the the entire highway through Chile is a dirt road.
0: Pretty much like, anywhere down that, there in South America. Yeah, it's all dirt. So
1: there's no speeding, you know, <laughs> and there's nothing. I mean, it's amazing. There's literally nothing there. It's the most beautiful place in the world, and there's no civilization. It's wild. So. You know, we had a couple test days and just checking out different locations. And then, um, you know, it was, it was an amazing experience. Um, we got into shooting. We spent some days camping, actually.
0: Because um, there was a lot of hiking, uh, right? I mean, you, you took everything out yeah, of backpacks.
1: Yeah, people. a lot of the stuff was hiking. Um, we got to shoot in what is now a national park. So the Thompson conservation, uh, Doug Thompson, Tompkins was the guy who created North Face. Um, him and his wife had been buying; they've literally bought millions of acres in there. And their dream was to donate all the land of the Chilean government and have it become a national park and protected. And he ended up passing away down there. But um, you know, about a month after we got back, oh, dang. she finally, his wife finally made the agreement with the Chilean government and they donated all this land, so we got to like fly in these beautiful national parks. Wow. It was just amazing. There's like guanacos everywhere and it was just, it was, it was pretty, it was just breathtaking scenery. But um, the weather comes in fast, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I think on the f- the first real shoot day, I mean, I have some iPhone footage of us just like running, like trying to put tarps over everything because this, I mean, the weather changes so, so fast there, you know, like all of a sudden 40 mile an hour winds and rain going sideways. It seems like know?
0: the most beautiful places in the world always have the worst, like instant weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like comes to the territory. <laughs> and-
1: and the wind, man. I mean, uh, on, to be honest, a lot of the shots would have probably made the cut, a lot more of them, if the wind wasn't so crazy. I mean, So it,
0: so it actually affected the cameras because it was so windy.
1: Yeah, I mean, just trying to get a smooth cinematic shot was a struggle some days wow. just because um, the wind was so violent. And, and a lot of the stuff that I was responsible for doing was was following the Mavic Air, mm while it did autonomous stuff like active track, but I had to fly it with an, fallout with an Inspire 2. Yeah. So, if, if you're not, <laughs> if it's windy, it's like chasing a bumblebee around, you
0: know? <laughs> it's just like, it's trying to hold its position, you're trying to be close to it. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. that's tough.
1: Yeah. But, um, we got some really cool stuff. I got the, like my favorite shots, like flying through this glacier, like these shards of ice sticking up. Yeah. And, I don't think I showed you this shot or posted it, but I actually chased the Mavic through that, oh, cool. and then it, it did like an obstacle avoidance and stopped and went up and over it. Oh wow! And it was it was it was pretty. It was an amazing shot. That's so awesome. And the ice was just glowing blue. So,
0: when when you're chasing it, were you looking at the screen? Is that the best? Yeah, way
1: to do it? I, yeah, because it's where we were standing versus where this action was happening was thousands of feet from us. You know, so there was it was all FPV stuff. And hopes and prayers,
0: because <laughs> <laughs> if you if you nick that Mavic Air, man, that's your Inspire's going down and the Mavic's going down. So that's pretty. Oh intense. yeah,
1: and and you don't go up there to get it. It's, that's the most dangerous. I mean, we were watching. I think I got some footage on my phone of what we guessed to be about three thousand pounds of ice falling off the face huh. of this glacier into a lake. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and then was just... what was the
0: aftermath of that. I think I remember. <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I'd kind of been watching these things, you know, when we first showed up. We had to take – we took a boat up a river, hiked 45 minutes, and then took another boat, like little rubber boats, um, uh, like pontoon rubber-style boats, across an entire lake to the face of this glacier. And then we set up on this rock to the left of the face. Originally, they were going to maybe um, – Put some of the talent up on it, but they decided it was a little too dangerous because of how much ice was actually oh, falling that day. So I, I leave my phone open with the video open on it, you know, because I, I knew that I was going to catch something if I just had the chance to just hit record fast. And so I sure, yeah, I heard this cracking, put the phone up, and, and this huge piece of ice like the biggest one we saw all day i catch it and it's falling and and i had seen some videos before about people in boats and the waves that these pieces of ice create and i was kind of a little nervous about it (laughs) and i was like everyone was kind of below me but they had a red camera and this guy was getting suited up in a dry suit to go out in this kayak that that was chris Um, burkhard right chris burkhard yeah Yeah, chris burkhard so So actually
0: i went to iceland with him about man five or six years ago for two weeks with the devin super crew so you were starting to post photos and i was like hey i know that guy <laughs> anyway yeah yeah, yeah. So he was getting suited up he's like a world-renowned photographer one of the biggest on yep. instagram um so he's there with dji and yeah.
1: yep so um he's super cool rad dude his his sidekick was super cool too um anyway so they had like a red camera out running, a bunch of like still cameras, there's my drone, a bunch of Mavics and I see this happen and I was like, You guys might get wet on this one like just (laughs) so you know and this swell comes across the lake. And it was far away too, right?
0: I saw the video. It it was was... like it's like a good half a mile or so. Oh at
1: least, at least. I mean it's hard to judge perspective if there's not a person in that, but there's a couple stills of Burkhardt out there after that on the kayak, and he is like a speck against that- that ice face mm-hmm. like it is we just weren't letting him get that close because it was if that fell, you would be in some serious trouble, and that water is not warm, so um yeah, this wave comes rolling in, and I'm just like, move, move, everyone starts yelling at him, and he's all concerned about this plastic <laughs> kayak, and I was like, f the kayak, <laughs> f the kayak, and like. Here it comes, I mean and we were there with um, Renan who, who was the DP on this job and he was he's a north face climber. He did that uh movie um Meru, which you haven't seen. If you haven't seen you should really check it out. It's insane. Cool. Like he's done Everest. I mean, we were with some monsters out there. These guys these guys went so hard. Um and this wave just comes crashing and just wipes Burkhardt out. <laughs> the kayak goes floating out and they have to go get it and like renan soaked up to his waist and there's this picture of him holding the red up in in, in the the air just getting invoked by like glacier water so yeah man flew and flew and flew and flew and then um that was i mean honestly that was probably the most beautiful location and then the second the last day which was the most intense day i think it was about a Four or five mile hike, which to me felt straight up. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it pretty much pushed the. I'm an I'm a pretty fit guy. I work out a lot. I play drums. I eat healthy. But that pushed me almost to like carrying stuff on that hike on my back was pushed me to. The what is the altitude almost. there, where you're at? You know, I'm not sure to be honest. I'm I'm really not sure. But um, we hiked probably four or five miles into this crazy. Geological rock formation that just juts out of the Chilean landscape like 700 feet. Wow. You know, and it's this rock face. Um, it's They they think that it was a bunch of hot magma that just cooled really, really fast. So, and, and everything eroded around it because it's just like these spires that go straight up. So, that was a super crazy day. The last day... They climbed the face of it, and they I have, like, a bunch of drone shots of rappelling down it and, oh, like, cool. standing on the top of these spires. And um, they were doing some Mavic Air stuff from the top, and I think that the wind was probably, like, 50 knots up like, there. Like, like they, oh, over
0: the max capabilities of this... Of um, a little by
1: far! Like I mean, they say flying no higher than twenty mile an hour winds, and it had to have been fifty at the top of that thing. it was <laughs> Screaming! I have some footage that looks like a time lapse because the clouds are moving oh, so dang. fast across the face of the rock. So I wasn't there for this, but they said that they they hand launched one of the Mavics, and they were gonna do some flying, and it was just gone, just <laughs> up, and th- the wind just took it, and they never saw it again. <laughs> but that's why you, you, you brought then, a
0: bunch of them, right?
1: That's why we brought 15 of them, yeah. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah, really, really quick. How did you charge batteries when you were in the middle of nowhere?
1: So this was part of why this was so intense. So when we were camping in that national park, we had access to Christine Tompkins' home, but we couldn't stay there, and it was like half a mile or more from where we were camping. So (laughs) this is why I got no sleep. I became the DIT and I had to charge like upwards of 30 to 40 batteries a night. So we would – and there was a lot of daylight because it's summer down there in December or spring. I can't remember. So the sun would come up at 5 a.m. and go down at almost 11 p.m. So they wanted to shoot all day, just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and fly and shoot and shoot and fly. So we would come back exhausted, starving, cold and tired and then have to charge – batteries and and dump footage for hours okay so like hours and hours so you had a
0: base camp at kind of her place right where you'd come back and charge cool right so
1: um we did that and then we had these huts but those were all far from locations too so a good portion of the time we stayed on this giant lake um in these like cool little huts like i the first night i stayed in one it was like a tree fort it was awesome but i had it all to myself so we turned that into a base camp. It was it was intense because we stayed there and then we left there and then we went camping and then we came back to that place. So it was a lot of moving gear and traveling. And um, so when we were staying there, sometimes we would go out to like, we did this, we followed these crazy kayakers down this like class five rapids. But I mean, everything is two or three hours away in each direction. So we would get up super early, drive, Burn all the batteries, and that was it. There was nothing else we could do about it. Like, I think we had a generator one day, and it immediately ran out of fuel. <laughs> you know, Patagonia is not a forgiving place. It's kind of like Alaska in the sense that, like, stuff will just go wrong, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think we went we we blew maybe five tires on that trip, like, in an eight-day span. Are you serious?
0: Yeah, I mean... Wow. It was, so it was, like, really rocky, was, or there's things that were popping them, or...?
1: Yeah, I mean the road is just a rough, dirt, rock-filled road. In some places, it's really skinny and just shards of rock everywhere. I mean, it's a brutal environment. Dang, man! So, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, between you and I, I probably would have done it for free. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hopefully, DJI doesn't hear this. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding>. No. <laughs> well, that is awesome, man. That sounds like a really amazing experience.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, it was crazy. So uh, it was beautiful. Got some amazing footage, and they're generous enough to let me use that footage for real purposes. So the new reel's looking good. I know I showed it to you, but it's it's still in the works.
0: But it's there's some beautiful stuff on there. Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. You did a great job on that. Um, okay, got a couple couple more questions. Um, kind of stepping back a little bit. So how is your progression when you kind of move from drone to drone? Uh, what does your fleet look like right now and how did you kind of know when to change to upgrade? You know, I'm sure you didn't just buy the, you know, an Alta straight up or an Inspire 2 right. straight up. Like what was your kind of process for that?
1: Right. So a lot of this went hand in hand with the learning curve. And as I learned more, I started to understand more and I understood more of like the demand for better codecs and better images. Um, so of course, in the beginning, you know, the first one I had was that Phantom 3 and I didn't know anything about it. So it didn't really matter, you know. I just shot, you know. Oh, I was like, oh, it's 4K. That must mean it's awesome, you know. It worked,
0: though, for what you needed it to.
1: Right, 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 right. So, and then I I graduated from there to, I think at that point, the Inspire 1 Pro with the X5. And that was before the X5R came out. So
0: did you did you buy that? Did you upgrade after you are getting work or kind of before you start getting work? What was your, when did you kind of make I the jump? F-
1: so that was one of those have to have the gear to get in the game moves, mm-hmm. you know, um, I got work here and there. Um, but I really wanted the ability to, s- to stretch out and have that dual op set up. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was huge for me. Um, so the inspire was, was the choice that I made, um, because I could have a camera op and be the pilot and then, kind of really get a grasp of what that was like because it's far far different it's completely different you find yourself flying a lot more line of sight than fpv mm-hmm. um, and there's sort of a symbiotic relationship that has to be built between you and your your gimbal camera op yep you know there has to be like an unsaid communication eventually and then it becomes you become one <laughs> so <laughs> that's exactly it man that's um, a good way to put it yeah, yeah. So I try to use my buddy Donnie as much as I can every time I can because we've done a ton of cool stuff together. Yep. I have a
0: camera yep. operator I've been working with for like five or six years since I've very started. We've traveled the world, yeah. you know. He's like my number one. So I actually have, um, I have like a different tiers of camera operators, you know. I've yeah. got like my go to guy, and then I've got you know my second guy and i kind of like go down from there depending on who's available
1: right they make me more and more nervous as i go down yeah road. exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like it's
1: like showing up to run a marathon with like one shoe on you're like i yeah, i hope i, hope he, his I hope he brought
0: his <laughs> shoelaces <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he knows how to tie so, his shoes
1: <laughs> totally totally so that 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 happened and then um you know I think I got a job that I never, I got a call for a job that I never got and it was a music video for some rapper guy and I think I called you in a panic about it because he's like, we want to shoot ProRes 442HQ and I was like, I have no idea what this is, oh my god, like, I don't know what a codec is. Mm So I called you freaking out about that and um I was like, oh we can you know, I was trying to like <laughs> make the situation better. I can I can pull an X5R and we can export as ProRes and didn't get that gig obviously. But everything happens for a reason and I learned a lot from that experience and I I learned that I needed to know more. Mm-hmm. And that's a prime example of, of how I upped my gear game. So at that time the X5R was out and I ended up getting that because I knew that I needed to be able to deliver
0: some raw um, raw camera
1: yeah raw and that way I can deliver in ProRes too which is obviously an industry standard for a lot of cameras Mm -hmm. um, and workflows so I got that and um, honestly like I don't know how much I used it I, I think that I ended up doing a lot of DJI gigs where I was flying a lot of the the littler stuff for them for for um product demos and tutorials and such um but i still have that camera and then when the x or excuse me the inspire 2 came out i, I was like i have to have that 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 has everything that i've wanted that the inspire one didn't have you know the addition of that it had a better workflow
0: too that's probably why i didn't use the x5r too much right the workflow is right. just a pain
1: yeah, and now I've flown this Inspire 2 to the point where I'm actually amazed that it flies. I don't know how many hours are on it, but it's become like the workhorse. And with the new addition of the X7, I mean, the image quality is just slaughtering everything at this point. I I, I just did and have yet to see the, see the results, but we put the X7 up against a red helium 8k in a dynamic range
0: test that's right did you find the results yet
1: i haven't yet but um I, as i was watching them you know we we did this thing where we 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 pushed them to either end of the spectrum with light and the lack of light you know mm. and i to be honest like i couldn't really tell the <laughs> difference like that thing 14 stops of dynamic range is is a lot you know yeah and I think that the the Red claims 16 or something like that, um, it was super close. So we'll see. But um, that's basically the evolution of how I, I progressed through gear. It was just the need for better image quality. And then you eventually went to up to the
0: Alta 8. That's kind of right, like one of your newest right. things, which is, for those that don't know, it can carry the big Red cameras, um, area Alexa, which are the big cinema cameras. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's um, at this point, at this very juncture, that's the new endeavor. So I've been flying that thing as much as I can just to get comfortable with it. Cause it's definitely a different beast. Mm. you know. It's more of a it's manual feeling
0: kind of a thing.
1: Yeah. There's no, no like,
0: there's no v- yeah. good video downlink or anything like that.
1: No, there's no cute little map that <laughs> helps you out. <laughs> it helps you get back when the, you get turned around. There were, <laughs> right, the return to home is probably pretty suspect. Um <laughs> like you don't want to you don't want to just start you don't flying, rely on that like
0: yeah. No. It, it'll work. It works, but you don't you don't just like hit it when you're when you don't want to land it yourself or whatever. Right. You know? Right. 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 <laughs> right.
1: So, um yeah, I mean starting on DJI stuff was a cool intro, but it's also a bit of a crutch for me just because I didn't have to learn on the harder stuff which like you and some of the older school guys mm-hmm. did and it made DJI seem really easy, obviously, yeah. because you're like, ah, oh, just let go of the sticks and everything's fine, you know. <laughs> this is not one of those things. So um, that's been a, a big thing for me is just trying to step up my game, practicing with, like, the mini quads that don't have, you know, any barometer or self-leveling system in them, um, like gyroscopes. So just trying to step up my stick game, you know. Just practice.
0: It's good to practice, you know. <laughs> I think that's one thing that DJI does. It gives you a false sense of security, yeah. Um, and that you'll and when you're shooting on shoots, there's a lot of locations where you don't have that GPS. You don't have um, the ability to use that sometimes. If you're flying yeah. inside, you know, you won't have that. If you're flying, um, you know, a lot of different places or something can go haywire. Like you need to be able to have the ability to flip it in, in the manual, so that it yep. doesn't hit and in, run into somebody, and so you can yep. bring it back home. So. I think that's a great idea. I always recommend starting out with the the Inductrix drone, which is like a seventy dollar little teeny drone. You can fly it inside. Get it on Amazon, and um, there's no GPS in it. So like, really, if you can fly that drone really well, then you can fly anything for the most part.
1: Yeah, yeah, I should get that thing. You should, man. No, it's <laughs> awesome.
0: You, tons of fun. And if you, if you want to go to the step further, just get a, a tiny whoop and get the goggles and everything and fly around that that's just tons of fun too and i feel like flying fpv with those small drones makes you become a better line of sight pilot as well there's kind of different parts of your brain that it uses um yep yep and it really helps out okay last question um aaron uh how do you stay creative like what kind of inspires you to keep keep on going
1: you know, I mean, I, I think that there's quite a few things. Um, a lot of it's just thought of, like, the all the opportunity that's out there, especially since this is a new industry. Um, I, I think that just being a, being inherently creative, it, it helps drive that creative fire in me, like um, coming from a musical background and, and all that. Um, I think, though on a day-to-day basis and job-to-job basis when you get that really awesome dynamic shot and you know you killed it like Mm -hmm. or you think you killed it viewing the playback (laughs) um and everyone on sets like oh yes 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 you know like and because a lot of the shots sometimes they even if they start out planned they don't always end up exactly how they want them um, and they can kind of morph into things that are even more exciting mm-hmm. and
0: i think that's that like
1: is is really amazing yeah
0: um, i totally agree it's that, that is that feeling when everybody on set is just they're kind of celebrating cuz you got the shot like it yep. just feels incredible
1: yeah um so I, I think that i 100% agree and i i think that another thing is um like that feedback and then when you Another thing that's really inspiring for me is getting getting a bunch of footage together and, and cutting a reel together to music. Mm. Like that, because that sort of invokes the emotion and the music can drive that in any direction that you choose. And so when you have these beautiful cinematic shots and they're your favorite shots or some of the most beautiful shots, and then you line them up with music that invokes a certain feeling like that's super driving for me like that's when it all it really comes alive Mm -hmm. you know because the music is one thing by itself and the footage is another thing by itself but when you put those two things together like that creates a moment yeah and really i think that that's like
0: and really kind of the the reality of um creating i feel like with drones and video is to create emotion i think you you totally nailed it um if we're not creating emotion and the people watching our stuff, then we're not doing our, our jobs. I feel like.
1: Right. Right. And so I a hundred percent agree. And I think that the other thing that, um, creates that drive for me, um, is looking at other dudes that are doing really pushing, mm-hmm. cutting the edge stuff, you know, and, and, not to say that I would go steal someone's idea, but it definitely in, in, invokes new ideas and thoughts and creative fire. So I think that that's a good thing for anyone to do for me personally. It also like has the, like f- the backfire of like, man, why am I not doing that? That's awesome. <laughs> but like, I think in the long run, like it does push and drive me, you know? So yeah, to yeah go watch creative. other
0: people's work. Um, just go yep. to YouTube, type in drone demo reel, and then yep. watch videos. You're going to see some where you're like, well, that didn't make me feel any emotion or, oh man, that one was like, I felt a ton exactly. and that one looks amazing. And then try and copy that, try and get the same shots, try and get yep. the same yep. cinematic shots, check out his edit, his music choice, you know?
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. And just tear it apart too. And think about why it did that for you. Was it, was it what you were looking at or was it what you were hearing or, or both and you know, the time of the day that they shot it is huge. Yeah. Is it, is it, everything is
0: blown out, you know, noon or was it shot at golden hour in the morning or at night? Um, watch it. And then also the, the order of clips, like what is their intro shot? What's their first shot? Is it a, is it a wide shot, you know, showing something? Is it a close up of a car? Um, you know, like just look at how their shots flow from shot to shot. Is it like the same movement in every shot consistently or is it, does it switch it up? You know, there's a lot to be learned
1: yeah and that's something that is interesting when i put a reel together i actually choose the music first because the the footage is on these hard drives like it doesn't matter like the footage is there because i've shot so much the matter of choosing which footage is is the hard part but the matter of choosing the music is the hardest part and it is the most important part
0: most most it is a hundred
1: percent yeah for me absolutely and coming from a music background is is cool because i can cut it up and chop it up and take a a four minute song that i bought off of music bed and turn it into a minute and 20 seconds or a minute and 50 seconds you know and you know take this really energetic part of this chorus and
0: move it here and you know so
1: yeah absolutely man that's what that's my drive right there
0: well cool man just tell me really briefly we'll wrap wrap it up here um Tell me about this Tom Hanks film that you're working on. Okay,
1: so this is a very, very up-in-the-air thing, and I'm not holding my breath, but the fact that I have the opportunity to sort of dig into this is is pretty amazing. So one of the guys that I met, he is a DP. He does a lot of bigger stuff. Um, I met him through a DJI job, fostering that relationship right there, you know. Um, He works for... He works with a company that does... It's one of the biggest special effects companies there is. They did um, Avatar, some Pirates movies. Like, I mean, it's their stuff is top level. You know, big, big stuff. So, they are trying to figure out a camera system where we could shoot repeated shots that emulate the movement of waves in an ocean. So what they did is they went to Nova Scotia and they shot plates. And they, what that means is they just went out and they shot the ocean over and over again for eight to 10 days, <laughs> right on a warship. So there, the actual movie is taking place, uh, kind of in real time on the bow of this boat on the bridge, uh, It's a Tom Hanks film shot in World War II era. It's about him crossing the Atlantic Ocean, um, hunting or defending himself from German U-boats and dropping depth charges and such. But they're shooting this all in a boat, which is dry docked down in Louisiana. So the issue is, is to match this movement of the ocean but be able to do the same shot again, take after take, is a really hard thing to do because you need to not only get that uh, vertical ascent and descent, you also need to get have roll control and um, camera pointing, mm-hmm. right? And so you need to figure out a way to autonomously program all these things into whatever you're going to use. So originally, they were going to use cable cams, right? But the thing is, is that they would have to drive pylons into the river and like it was like pushing $650,000 just for these shots. You know? And this is and like, like,
0: so it's in the dry dock and you're filming drone shots of the boat in the dry dock, but you you've got to pretend like your camera. So the drone has got to kind of make it seem like the boat is moving, like it's on the ocean. Is that right? Right,
1: right, right. Yes, exactly. So we would shoot the inverse of the wave movement. So
0: it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, intense. it's intense.
1: So I screwed around with a couple programs. Um, uh, Autopilot was pretty cool. It has waypoints in it, and you could autonomously draw them in, you know, changing the altitudes. You can't change the roll, but we soon realized that that was, it was very limiting and that wasn't going to work. So DJI has this new program called vertex in it the it's not out yet i think there's a beta version basically um it's it's like a mapping program but you can build shots within a 3d space so um You could send someone out to a location as a director or a DP and have them map the entire location with the drone and then come back and it would build a 3D space of this. And then you could literally draw in your shots and autonomously fly them. Wow. Right? So they announced that when the X7 came out and I think everyone kind of forgot it existed, but it was brought up to me. And so we took a conference call with them. And as of right now, if the quality of the X7 holds up and, and the director on this Tom Hanks movie and the DP say that yes, the X7 will hold up, DJI is going to maybe potentially fast track this Vertex project and see if we can pre-program autonomous flights including pitch, roll, tilt, yaw, camera pointing into this 3D space and try to see if we can do this with drones. And it's going to be an industry first. Wow, man, but
0: that is awesome. That's like some it's, groundbreaking it's, stuff right there because it could be it, in the future where most shots are done like that so they can program the exact movements yep. they need in a 3D space. Dang. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, it's intense. I mean, and they went down and they did LIDAR on this entire ship and have already built this ship in a 3D space with the shots they want. So now they're trying to see if they can get vertex and this system to talk to the production company yeah Yeah. so it's insane um but we'll see if it happens i'm i'm excited to be able to be a part of it but i don't know if if the tech will be all the way ready in two months yeah two months to do it (laughs) dang man. i think yeah april is principal photography or sometime in in march so i don't know but i've also got other things happening simultaneously so if it doesn't happen, it's all right. But
0: <laughs> well, cool, man. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for coming out on the uh, podcast today. Um, it was really cool to get some of your your uh, insight, man. That's yeah, man.
1: Pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, thanks for putting that course together. It was uh, huge for me. I was a guy in need of knowledge, and that's a place for knowledge, and it's um, it's really it's it's invaluable, you know. And and the people support each other there greatly and they'll answer questions if you just throw them on a forum you know so it's an excellent place so thanks again for
0: that yeah yeah, appreciate it thanks for for being a member it's fun to watch all your really cool adventures man
1: (laughs) yeah thanks bud all right right, let's fly yeah man let's do it cool we'll see you buddy all right later bud see you
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Drone Pro podcast. If you enjoyed this, I highly recommend going to droneproacademy.com. You can check out my Cinematic Drone Secrets course where you can learn everything about getting amazing cinematic drone shots, no matter what drone you own. Also, if you wanna make money with your drone, check out my part 107 bootcamp. Both courses are heavily discounted right now, so go check them out. Also, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. And if you have any recommendations of who I can interview in the drone world, please just shoot me an email at chris at droneproacademy.com.